Welcome to Sparks of History. We are very honored and pleased to have with us today Rabbi Yitzchak Eisenman. Rabbi Eisenman is the longtime rabbi of Congregation Avas Israel in Passaic, New Jersey, professor at Lander College, regular contributor to Mishpacha magazine, and best-selling author. Thank you, Rabbi Eisenman, for being with us. We appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I appreciate it, Rabari, for being here. Just one correction. I, I'm, I'm now a professor emeritus I'm at the Lander College for Women. Okay. Prof- professor emeritus among the many, many things that Revisorman is um, known for and popular for. Okay. To get started, as we are witnessing perhaps uh, an unprecedented level of unity in Israel and among the Jewish people worldwide. What is the meaning, perhaps the deeper meaning of unity? How should it and how can it express itself? So it's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot. And, and like, I think as you, as you mentioned, sort of unprecedented achdut. I mean, again, I, I don't want to sound contrarian here, and obviously we've seen a, a tremendous amount of achdus, but um, as I think you said, to define, um, I, I don't think anybody ever has to state there's achdus among Klai Yisrael that we protest or uh, we do everything our can we can that uh, a Holocaust was a horrific thing and it should never happen again. So when we say the word achdus, meaning uh, is every Jew in the world horrified and uh, has a tremendous sense of rage by what happened on that Simchas Torah, October 7th? Yes, that necessarily defined or manifests itself in some sort of uh, sense of, of spiritual or national awakening. So that I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't know who 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 is who would what what would we expect someone to be actually for the even those who are against the Zionist state certainly uh, are together with us that it was a horrific thing. So I think we have to flesh out the term exactly how it manifests itself. And and how how does Revisman how, how do you think it does manifest itself? What does it mean, Achdu? Like. What, what what is a better definition then of achdut as opposed to, you know, a common reaction to an event? So, so that's that's an interesting point. I I think on one hand there's two aspects of, of achdus. One is the unanimity of opinion against something, which I think is quite easier. Like I mentioned, let's say the Holocaust or the attack itself. Even in the world at large, not even the Jewish world, the world at large, there's certain, there's for the most part, for the most part, there's certainly a consensus of, uh, of uh, outright condemnation of what happened on October 7th. So in that sense of unity, I think the unity that we're talking about or that we're trying to celebrate is a, a unity which leads to some sort of uh, positive outcome and manifestation. The I, I think it's it's certainly beautiful that we've seen, and I, I don't want to minimize it in any way, an outpouring of support 
obviously here I'm in America of American Jewry. I mean, there literally have been billions of dollars sent over in aid and people with missions, et cetera, and certainly tefillos, et cetera. And in, in Israel, it's also all this movement of those who vowed they would never serve for reserve duty if Netanyahu's uh, judicial overhaul took place. It's obviously ceased that they've all joined the, the reserves. I don't want to minimize that, but it would be quite shocking if any country in the world was attacked as brutally, as viciously uh, as occurred in Israel, that the country would not be unified in their uh, sense of outrage ranging from at least to properly defend their own citizens to outright revenge. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't want to be a, uh, a naysayer, but I, I'm not so convinced that I'm seeing anything here which is um, manifesting itself that all of a sudden there's an agreement now that uh, we all, that there should be more Shabbos observance in the land of Israel, let's just say from a spiritual point, or I'm not sure there's an agreement now that the judicial, even on a political, the judicial overhaul should either go through or now let's cease it. I, I'm not sure where, what you, unity implies some sort of sense of uh, consensus of opinion towards a goal. And hopefully with that unity achieved, the achievement of the goal becomes actually obviously easier. If we all agree together, we're going to be davening at nine o'clock this Shabbos, the whole neighborhood. So actually, that would be a strong, beautiful minion. Obviously, if one per, if 10 people are dominating at 8.15, 10 at 8.30, 10 at 8.45, and 12 at 9. So obviously, there's, so I'm not sure. I'm appreciative, obviously, of the sense of the nation is behind the unfortunate reason for this war effort. But I'm not, I don't know where we're seeing some sort of great manifestation of this unity being directed in any other way, with the exception of that Hamas should be um, either destroyed or certainly uh, controlled in some way. Yeah, okay. Obviously, during a period like this, there is a um, an outpouring uh, of prayer and specifically uh, reciting of Tehillim. What is the spiritual power of Tehillim? Why is it Tehillim? And how do we make sure that it doesn't get stale and become rote? Yeah, I've been wondering that as as a as a rabbi myself in the rabbi community that that question. But obviously, we hope on a on a spiritual plane. We as believing Jews who believe, part of our belief system is that God does hear our prayers and God reacts to the way we pray, uh, that certainly Tehillim serves a, a critical purpose. Um, you know, we're all familiar with the, the Gemara at the beginning of Masechus Titus, where the, the Gemara contends right at the beginning there, that really the Sav Gimel, where there were three people who asked Hashem lo kahogan improperly. And the Gemara says, well, Eliezer, Everett, Avram, Shaul, and the, and the unfortunate one was Yiftach. And two of them were still answered properly, and Yiftach, unfortunately, was not. But from that Gemara, I think, and many others, one could extrapolate that the prayer was their prayer, in Eliezer's case, to find a soulmate for Yitzchak, in Shaul's case, to find the eligible soldier to defeat uh, Goliath, Goliath, 
And in Yiftach's case, the unfortunate case of that he he promised he would repay God with some sort of sacrifice of the first thing that exited his home. So you see certainly from there that God seems to be very careful about what how we pray. And the third case, unfortunately, is be careful what you pray for because you never know what would happen. But they certainly indicate that prayer itself has uh, effect in, in, by Hashem in the heavenly bodies. I think prayer psalms survey, and I don't mean this in the pejorative, I just mean this in the realistic, I think they serve a therapeutic purpose for the reciter of the psalms in that especially we, myself meaning who are in the chutzlars in the diaspora, obviously we feel much less uh, ability to par participate in this, uh, in the effort as you and Eretz Yisrael have much more of a direct effort. So I, I think it also serves a therapeutic effect of, I don't think they, they're mutually exclusive, but that we feel that we're participating in the pain, which besides being a, a very strong Jewish concept of Imo Anochi Batsara, I'm with you, but I think it also helps the petitioner feel that they're part of it. How to prevent it becoming stale is an age-old problem. One can ask, how do, how do our Shmonasri, which we recite almost identically uh, in has slight changes, but the, how in Nusach also, between Shachris and the others, but that's, that's a struggle that we all live with. One thing which I've advised, I've tried to use on myself and advised others, is that uh, when certainly when we say Meshiba L'Geula, from slavery to redemption, I mean, if you just think about the words, I mean, those words in Achenu Kovei Yisrael could not have been more apropos to the current horrific situation that we find ourselves. Okay. Um, the Ralph had mentioned feeling the pain of the events, sharing in the pain of Am Yisrael. How does one, how should one balance feeling the pain um, of what Am Yisrael is going through with, at the same time, remaining optimistic, inspired, even even besimcha, even happy. So I have to admit, Ravari, a, a little bit, of, I, I, I send out what I call the short word, but it's sent out, so it's about 3,000 people. I, I send out, not, I wouldn't say that it's usually once a week, about sometimes more, sometimes less, I think that honestly, here at least, I'm feeling the struggle is not to maintain some semblance of simcha uh, v'chayim, but actually, I think the struggle is um, how to keep on the front burner. I mean, I just recently wrote a piece last week, which I I bemoan the fact that one opens any Jewish publication. And next to a ad for helping whatever it is, Zaka, United Hatzalah, whatever it is in Israel, there's a huge ad for Pesach in Portugal, uh, you know, Passover in Prague. I mean, why are we supporting nations who, for the most part, were participatory for sure, and in many ways uh, accomplices in crime to the destruction, to the genocide of Jewish people, particularly now? when the Jewish people are facing a genocidal threat. 
I honestly am shocked. El Al is the only airline flying to Israel right now. United, Delta, which I can imagine it was quite a profitable route for both of those major airlines, have not been flying now for four months. El Al, thankfully, continues to fly. Shouldn't One can spend the luxurious Pesach in many hotels in Israel, which I'm sure are, are just wanting and waiting for the economic and moral boost. And um, so I, I think the problem is somewhere the other way. I see people in shul, they could say they're Tehillim, they could say them fervently. On the other hand, we're coming here in the States to what's called Yeshiva Week. Someone recently informed me last week, I, I had to hold myself back from reacting because a rabbi always has to act in a civil and maintained and contained fashion, but that they've already booked their restaurant in Boca Raton already in September for Yeshiva Week because the reservations are known to go months beforehand. Now, it's fine to go to Florida. It's not a very expensive vacation. We all enjoy the warmer weather. I'm not against people going to Florida. I'm not against taking a break. I need it. We all need breaks. But, and frankly, if that's, you have to eat, you have to eat. Perhaps do we have to go to Europe during this when Israel's at war? Do we have to go to Poland when Israel's at war? Poland, who just legislated a law that if you refer to the Polish concentration camp, you could be prosecuted. Uh, I mean, they never have been, and they still are not exactly a uh, a safe haven for the Jewish people. So I I wonder the other way. I think. Perhaps even people should tone down bar mitzvah celebrations, however it is. But I think it should be constant in our mind. Is this the time to go out to eat if you go out every Sunday? Do you have to go out to eat every Sunday? Perhaps eat at home and use that money to send to somewhere else. So I'm struggling with, unfortunately, I think people, they myself included, have very short-term memories. Maybe that's a gift from Hashem was to be able to continue to function. I think the challenge is Look, I have it a little, I'm sorry to say it, it's a little easier, and I, I want to be full disclosure. I have three married children who live in Israel. My two older sons, Mayor and Netanel, who live, are both tour guides there. Parnassa has suffered greatly. But that doesn't compare to my third son, Tuvia, who lives in uh, who lives in, in Ramat Beit Shemesh, who has been serving in the reserves since October 7th straight, with just literally a few days, and I see videos of him in full garb with a face mask and uh, being involved in these horrific battles in Janine, which he was involved in. And obviously, it, to me, it's a constant worry and anxiety that I live with of having a child at the front line. So um, maybe in that way, quote unquote, it's easier for me to keep it on the front burner. but. I don't see a lack of sympathy here. I'm not walking around, saying New Jersey and seeing people forlorn. Uh, it doesn't look to me like your Rabbi Yisrael's classic example of Elul, of people with long faces and Rabbi Yisrael having to rebuke them that your face is a public domain and you should give a smile. I, I find people smiling. I, I, I'm not saying they don't care. I want to be clear. Absolutely. People, and they're giving of themselves and their money very generously. But I haven't found people forlorn or that I have to cheer them up. I haven't found that, I think. 
Um, looking at the situation today and coming off of, of what the Rev just spoke about, what are the key commitments that observe, quote unquote, observant Jews should be undertaking, especially vis-a-vis our fellow Jews, whomever they are, wherever they are? Well, meaning what commitments can we take upon ourselves? Should we take upon ourselves now because, because of the situation? Uh, I, I think the, 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 the Rav told the story of the young men that he, he met in a uh, local uh, Jewish bookstore and uh, with the tattoos and they were buying the, the tzitzis, the tzitzit, and uh, trying to encourage them perhaps to do a little bit more or come to a greater recognition of what it means to be a Jew. But what should we do? What should Jews be doing today, whether it's in Israel or American Jews? So I think that the idea of the halachic or semi-halachic or semi-mystical halachic concept of kabbalot, of acceptances, that I I think I'm the wrong address. I'm, I'm certainly not a mystic and not a kabbalist. And, uh, and honestly, I have a personal somewhat disdain uh, for anything which smacks of the occult or the uh, whatever, some sort of easy way out of giving X amount to this organization or reciting this for X amount of name days will make. I'm not saying it doesn't have um, sources, but it's just not my, in my orbit. What I do think, though, is honestly very practical things. I mean, number one, when we do pray, and most shuls as here, and most minyanim probably all over the world, um, you should try first focus on those prayers, certainly Afenu Kobesh Yisrael. Number two, as I mentioned before, be somewhat repetitive, but I think even in our personal lives, that should be forefront. I, I mean, it's interesting, Chazal, after the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, why did they institute these limitations on simcha. The chatan, the, the, a bridegroom, should put ashes on his forehead where the tefillin, where the phylacteries are placed. You know, according to some, that's the reason we break the glass. Perhaps that's questionable. But you find all these things which are under the rubric of zechel and a remembrance of the destruction. I, I don't think it's not like a, a, a memorial day in America where we honor the dead and those who served our country, I think it was much more. I think it meant that you should feel there's something missing in your life and do practical steps, like, for instance, the Chafetz Chaim says, Sina Stinam, working on trying to limit our Lashon Hara, trying to be a little bit, a little bit more, as they say in Yiddish, Farginning, allow others to have a little bit more space, cut people slack, be more forgiving. Allow small things. I mean, I know recently in in my shul there was a discussion of you know one of these electronic boards which tells you what time they've seen them in Israel as well. What time this fila is? What time that fila is? Should they be color coded or not? So I said, at the end of the day, do, is this really? We should come to a consensus. But well, it's it's not really something important in our lives. In six months from now, we're going to remember. So, but there are all these things that go on in everyday life. People argue, well, what's what's the menu for Shabbos? What should we eat for Shabbos? What should we? Obviously, we want Shabbos to be night. But I really, I'm a big proponent of small things. Allow whatever happens, being more thankful, gratitude, gratitude, be thankful to each other. 
be thankful not, of course, to the Jews in Israel and certainly for the soldiers on the front line, but to each other even in our lives. All the things that we believe if the second base Migdish and we're in a continual unfortunate flow of tragedy was because of Sinat Kinam, whatever you define it of some sort of baseless hatred. So I imagine the correction has to be some sort of um, reaching out to people, trying to be connecting, a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more loving, a little bit more gratitude. Uh, and I think, frankly, looking at the big picture, at the end of the day, I, I hope that the events of October 7th made us realize that you know, if somebody bangs into your car and they, even they cause you damage, okay, if your car was not a brand new car, so whatever, how you want to handle it, whatever your financial, but realize that in the big picture, it's, it's, a really, it's really not just minimal, it's really almost nothing in compared to people's I mean, what, over 100,000 Jews, I believe, are displaced in Israel, something along those lines? At least. At least. I mean, you're talking about for the first time in the history of the Jewish state, when they become a military world power, a high-tech leader of the world, where, where the, the Jewish state has over 100,000 Jewish refugees being displaced in the Jewish state. So I think that should somehow give us a little sense of somberness, a little sense of of recognition of what's important. That could reflect itself in, in just even our simple Ben Adam Lachavera with people, being less critical, being less uh, looking at the minutia, trying to recognize this picture which is going on in front of us. Again, um, I, I know we can go on and on, but um, we'll leave it at this point. And uh, any final Thoughts, Rabbi Eisenman? My only final thoughts is that those who were, those Jews who were watching this living in Israel, so I tell you, you're, you're doing what you what you can and you're there. And, and for those who are watching in Chutzlar, it's my only final thought is, is go to Israel. Go there. Go there and eat in a restaurant. Make a reservation for the restaurant in, in, in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv where the person is being economically affected. Take a taxi, take a bus, walk around the street. My wife and I were there for Hanukkah. We stayed in the Sephardic Hotel in the Old City because I have a son who lives in the Old City. It's not the Taj Mahal. When we got there, the proprietor said, first of all, he said, well, of course, you're Israeli citizens, so I'll have to figure out the VAT. And when he was shocked, when we told him we were American citizens, and even so, he said, we, we were the only tourist in the hotel on Hanukkah, the only tourist, and he only had five rooms booked. The other four were by Israeli citizens who happened to spend Shabbat Hanukkah in, in Israel. And that's all he had. My wife and I ate breakfast alone, alone in a dining room, which could have certainly accommodated 75 to 100 people. We were there alone. So I, my final message is, oh, Jews who are outside, yes, continue your prayers. We want to take the Kabbalah a commitment, make a commitment to go to Israel and to be there and to show your support and to walk around and to smile at the people there and to show them you're with them. I, 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 that's how I feel very strongly. Okay. Again, Rabbi Eisenman, thank you so much um, for your thoughts and words of chizuk and inspiration. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. And kolak to you. All the best. And we should share in good things.